Most truck drivers are now required to use electronic logging devices to track their compliance with federal rules over how long they can be behind the wheel. And whether you like ELDs or hate them, the fact remains like anything on a rig, you have to know how to use an ELD properly. However, there are increasing indications that drivers and fleets are making some big errors in using these devices that replaced paper logs, and that's costing valuable time and money. But it doesn't have to be that way. This is the Eyes on the Road podcast presented by PrePass Safety Alliance, the provider of PrePass way station bypass and toll payment services. PrePass also includes informed software dashboards for improving safety scores and lowering toll-related costs. Online at prepass.com. I'm Evan Lockridge, and thanks for listening. The mid-December 2019 final deadline requiring most truckers to use electronic logging devices ended the process of converting from paper logs that began two years earlier. But like anything in which technology supersedes a system that's been in place for decades, this transition hasn't exactly been smooth. Electronic logging devices promise to make logs more accurate and easier to fill out, but there's still some problems. Federal numbers show in the final three months of 2019, there were tens of thousands of violations by truckers when it came to the proper use of these devices. And for many, this resulted in fines or even bigger consequences. Joining me on the line to discuss what steps both truck drivers and fleets can do to reduce the chances of this happening and to discuss the ramifications of when it does is Dave Oshaki, President and CEO of the advisory firm Scopolitas Transportation Consulting. His experience includes 20 years with the American Trucking Associations, where much of his work centered on safety and regulatory compliance. Before that, he was with the old Office of Motor Carriers at the Federal Highway Administration, which preceded the creation of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. We last talked with him back in 2019 as the final ELD deadline was approaching. Dave, it's good to have you back on Eyes on the Road. Well, thanks for having me back, Evan. I really appreciate it. Look forward to the conversation. So what are the most common violations you're seeing by drivers when it comes to the regulations about ELDs, and why do you think this is happening? Well, you know, there are some some common violations that sort of jump off the page, you know, at you when you when you take a look at them uh, online. One of them is the ELD not being mounted properly. Um, in fact, that's that's one of the the top violations that drivers get cited for. And what that really means is uh, a lot of the ELDs on the market or in the market and being used today are are mobile devices. They're smartphones. They might be tablets and so forth. So there's a requirement that that they be they be mounted they be in a fixed position while the driver is operating the vehicle and and you know just to give you a sense of size and scope uh, in 2019 uh, fiscal year 2019 there were over 15,000 of those types of violations by drivers and what that really means is is the smartphone or the tablet is sitting in the right seat of the truck the, and so getting to the why. Why is that happening? I strongly suspect that, that that drivers and maybe their companies simply don't know, don't don't have a sense of that there is a requirement that it be fixed and in that you know mounted position. But also here's some other other ones: uh, not a driver not having uh, a supply of blank paper logs. And as strange as that might sound in the ELD world, 
Uh, let's face it, ELDs are computers, uh, and at some point they will have a malfunction. I mean, all of our computers, uh, if we've used them over time, have malfunctioned, and, and that's going to happen with ELDs. So when that happens, the driver has to default or go back to uh, completing paper logs. So uh, over 19,000 of those violations last year, fiscal year uh, 2019. And, and again, you know, why is that happening? Either they don't know, the drivers don't know that they have to have it, or perhaps they don't have enough uh, supply. Maybe they just have a few pay blank pages and, and not you know, a full seven or eight days or even 30 days. Uh, and then the last one I, I think I'll mention, at least for now, is um, there's an information packet that has to be in the truck with the driver about the ELD. And that information packet has to, be, has to include an instruction sheet or, or user manual, if you will, an instruction sheet about how to transfer the data and what the driver is supposed to do during a malfunction that I just mentioned, uh, and then that supply of blank paper log. So there's a there's a whole package that the driver is supposed to have, and that's that's one of the additional or other top violations that drivers are getting cited for is failing to keep that packet of information, those ELD user manual and instructions and so forth. What about information drivers need to enter in their ELD? I understand that's also a violation problem. It is. It is. And, and that's I gave you sort of the top three, and that's fourth on the list. Uh, not, drivers not inputting information like a trailer number, like a shipping document number, or even a, a, a truck number, power unit number. We all have a sense that, that ELDs automatically capture certain information. Uh, of course, it automatically captures driving time, and driver has to input other duty status, whether that's sleep or birth or you know, on-duty time when they're fueling and so forth. But uh, when it comes to other information that, that goes into the what, what's commonly thought of as sort of the other file or the header file that's along with the electronic log, drivers either don't know or are or, or just simply forgetting. I, I have a hard time believing that they, that they don't know that a trailer number has to be entered into the system, that a, a shipping document bill of lading number has to be entered into the system. That's just common knowledge. It was common knowledge with paper logs. Should be, should be known by drivers. So I think they're simply forgetting and then they're getting cited for, for failure to do it during roadside inspections. So what do such violations mean for drivers as well as fleets when it comes to consequences? Is it mostly money they may have to pay in fines, being put out of service, or are there other repercussions? Yeah, there are some other repercussions. Um, I, I guess first I'll start off by saying most of these these violations that I've uh, talked about already, they're not out-of-service violations. Drivers don't get sidelined for a certain number of hours sitting at the inspection location for those types of violations. They're relatively minor. They can come with and often do come with a you know, a fine, a penalty, a dollar amount, but, but those dollar amounts are typically pretty small and they vary by state, you know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks. Uh, you know, it, it hurts, but it, it's, not, uh, it's not a killer fine, if you will. But uh, they also generate CSA points. So a driver's record is dinged with these types of violations. A driver record, when, what I mean by that is the, the pre-employment screening record of a driver. And the company's uh, CSA scores are dinged because the points are generated. And uh, I guess the last thing I'll mention is uh, the more CSA points, the more violations, the, the more oversight. You know, it's just the way the system works. Once you get into this loop or this cycle of, hey, I've got some violations, federal and the state governments see that. And then they identify this driver, that driver and this company as a you know, potential violator. So they, they get in this 
this unwelcome loop of more oversight, more inspections, and even potential audits. So those are some of the other repercussions. You mentioned this could affect a fleet's CSA scores. I assume that also includes the SMS safety measurement system scores, which FMCSA uses to identify carriers that pose the greatest risk to safety. And this could result in problems for a fleet or driver, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It it it, it could have that uh, that impact or that repercussion. Um, it, it it doesn't always, particularly if if the violations that we've already discussed are relatively few and far be- uh, between. But uh, if they're common, if there's a pattern there, if they continue to generate um, uh, points, and they will affect the SMS scores, and they could affect the, the bypass scores uh, uh, for carriers that use various systems, including prepass, of course. Well, let's look at the other side of things for our fleet listeners, including the small carriers that have driver owners. Are there mistakes they're making on the back end when it comes to ELD compliance, say at the fleet office, and are those resulting in problems and consequences? There are. There are. Yeah, we've we've been, I think, focused on the, the driver-type violations at, at roadside or during roadside inspections thus far, you know, during this conversation. But absolutely, there are audits going on every day at, at companies. And it's not just big trucking companies or medium size. It's also, you know, at the smaller fleets. And so there's there's a couple of things that I think are it's worthy to point out. So far, I believe in, in 2020, in fiscal year 2020, there's been more than 600 audits uh, done. There's been a pattern of falsification of ELD records during many of those audits. In fact, here's a, here's a number. There's 700 critical violations, more than 700 critical violations cited to the company, to the, the, the management, if you will, during those 600 plus audits for, for false logs. Um, there's also companies are being cited for failing to retain the, the electronic records. Uh, you know, the, the records are on the device in the truck and then they're transferred over to the back office and the computers and they have to be retained. And, and many companies are getting cited for failing to maintain those records. And perhaps they're just failing to produce them uh, when requested. So it's one or the other. Uh, but also the actual hours of service violations, violations of the 14-hour rule or the 30-minute rest break rule. Uh, companies are not presumably not reviewing the electronic records of the drivers closely enough, or maybe they're not reviewing them at all. So some hours of service violations are reflected on those records, and they're being found, and they're being cited. And I know that's three, and, and I'll, I'll just quickly tell you one more. And this one's, a, this one's a pretty big one. And this unassigned driving events, the, the, when somebody jumps in the truck, they move the truck without logging into the ELD. That's technically called an unassigned driving event. You know, it's something that the carrier has to deal with. They have to reconcile that. And what that really means is they have to either assign that event to a driver or they have to annotate the record that they tried to fi- figure out who moved the truck, but they simply couldn't do it. They have to do something with that event. Uh, and a lot of companies are not doing that. They're not reviewing them and trying to assign them. Now, speaking of compliance of fleets, I want to throw one thing in right here before we continue our talk. At the end of the podcast, I'll have details about how you can get nearly an hour's worth of valuable and free information from Dave about fleet compliance and ELD, so stay tuned for that. Now, back to our talk. So, Dave, what can both drivers and fleets do to make sure they're not in violation of ELD regulations? This goes back to some of those violations that we talked about, you know, at the beginning of the podcast here, those, those driver-oriented violations. You know, the, one of the, the, the most simple things that, that drivers and companies can do is make sure that there is a, a cradle, that the, the ELD is cradled when the driver and, and truck are operating down the highway. Make sure that that 
information packet, which is which is pretty simple. It's a instruction sheet, you know, a couple of instruction sheets and a blank supply of paper logs and so forth. Make sure that that's there. It's complete and it's findable by the driver. You know, and a lot of drivers have uh, and still have paper in the truck. They still have a binder with with certain paperwork in the truck. And make sure that's in the binder, or if it's not in the binder, it's it's somewhere else. And you, you don't always have to create that as a as a driver or a company. Um, the ELD vendors can provide that too, so lean on them. And then something I haven't really focused on yet during our conversation, Evan here, make sure the drivers fully understand the data transfer capability and the and how the data is transferred from the ELD to a roadside inspector to an officer when when it's requested. And yes, there's supposed to be a sheet. Yes, the vendor has those. But, you know, an inspection event is, is a, can be a high-stress event for drivers, and they may forget. They may forget how to transfer. Maybe there's a simple thing as a cab card, a sort of a cheat sheet that the driver has in his wallet or on the visor or somewhere within the driver's reach. So the data transfer function and knowing how to transfer that data is, is pretty critical. Uh, to avoid violations and to avoid that high-stress uh, you know, situation. I have heard on multiple occasions that there are drivers who are not receiving proper training from their fleet about how to correctly use an ELD. What advice do you have for drivers in such a position? Yeah, and I, I'm sure that that's still occurring. Um, you know, companies maybe are assuming that the drivers know more than they do. One one thing, one way to deal with that is there are a lot of videos uh, online, and you know, YouTube's a great example. There's plenty of YouTube videos about various ELD products by you know various vendors or suppliers. If the, if the company isn't providing the training and drivers want to get a little more familiar with it, you know, search on YouTube or search other you know uh, uh, social media outlets where they can pro, uh, find videos about it. And that's just one example. Another one is to to talk to drivers and, and uh, at companies maybe that have the same supplier. There are a lot of them out there and some are big and some are small, but uh, you know, there's a handful of well-known companies. And if a driver has one of those units from a well-known company, consult some other drivers at truck stops or, you know, in the in that environment and just learn from others. Speaking of the proper use of an ELD, when I first contacted you about being on the podcast, one thing you mentioned to me is that some drivers, especially those who had been using automatic onboard recording devices or AOBRDs, were having problems because AOBRDs operate differently than ELDs. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about this? Sure, yeah. AOBRDs, uh, you know, had been around for a long time and, you know, literally for a couple decades and they weren't required, right? So so vendors had a lot of flexibility in how they, you know, what it looked like, how the software within the, the device operated and worked. ELDs are different in that now they're mandated and with a mandate comes tighter regulation. So ELDs, ELDs are more tightly regulated. What does that mean? That means certain functions are required and required uh, to perform in a certain way. And, and one of those is this data transfer. So that there are differences in how the data transfers from an ELD versus how it was transferred from an AOBRD. Um, that's one of the fundamental differences. The look and feel uh, is, is more tightly regulated, uh, meaning the, the screen, the size, and the, the information on the screen and the various uh, pop-ups that have to show up on the screen under the regulations. All those are different. There are more data requirements. ELD has to grab more data off of the truck and the truck's engine, and it requires the driver to input more data uh, than was ever required under an AOBRD 
you know, simply by the company because they weren't required. There were some automatic duty state status changes. In other words, the, the device could change the driver's status from driving to on-duty not driving when the driver showed up at a, at a terminal that was geofenced, as an example. That's not allowed under the ELD rules. So there are those types of fundamental differences. Um, and the other, the other one that I'll just throw out is, is the, the ability for drivers to edit their ELD record. AOBRDs, there, there was most companies and most vendors of AOBRDs didn't want drivers to, to edit the record. Uh, and the ELD rules allow that, in fact, encourage driver edits when there are mistakes made. You know, those are some of the major differences, and, and that's why drivers need to be trained, even if they had AOBRDs in the past, because ELDs are different, they're regulated different, they're regulated more tightly, and so forth. Now, while it's not part of the ELD rule, I have heard that the change in personal conveyance guidance has caused some confusion and even some abuse by drivers that's essentially a way of cheating on their logs. What's been your experience with this, Dave? What do drivers and carriers need to know to avoid common problems here with ELDs? My experience, it's an interesting question and a good question. Personal conveyance has been around. The the concept and the use of a, a truck in, on personal time has been around for decades. You know, it didn't come about with ELDs. But what has come about is the need for better definition because now there is a there's a duty status called personal conveyance that the driver can use. Um, so my experience is some carriers allow it and other carriers don't, which is perfectly fine. Uh, that's entirely up to the carrier by policy. But if a carrier does allow personal conveyance, in other words, you know, a driver to use the, the truck in a personal sort of off-duty status, then there is more definitive guidance from FMCSA on it. So it's it's more clear now than it's ever been. But at the same time, there's no distance limits. There's no time limits on how long you know a driver can can drive the truck in a in an off-duty status and using it in a personal way. Um, so that creates some issues. But again, fleets can address that by policy. They can limit the miles. They can limit the amount of time by their drivers if if they allow uh, PC use. I would tell you, drivers and companies should be aware that inspectors know and they're going to re- they know that that PC is an opportunity for for fraud and abuse. I, I've heard that at CVSA meetings from inspectors. I've heard it from CVSA management. So inspectors will carefully review the use of PC during inspections at the roadside, and auditors will do the same. Um, you know, at at an audit at a trucking company's place of business. So that leads me to my last point: drivers should should be cautious in how they use it. Of course, they should use it consistent with the guidance, and fleets should be well aware of the guidance. They should train their drivers to this guidance, and they should monitor PC use by their drivers if they allow it. So I know there's a there's a lot of words that I just said, but PC is in tough place. It's a tough spot to be for many drivers and companies because of better guidance, but yet there's still no really tight time or, or distance limits on it. Dave Oshenke is president and CEO of Scopalitas Transportation Consulting, online at scopalitasconsulting.com. That's S-C-O-P-E-L-I-T-I-S consulting.com. Dave, thanks very much. Thanks again, Evan. Really appreciate the opportunity, and thanks to Prepass Safety Alliance for providing it.
Now, here are the details to get more information from Dave. There is going to be a free pre-pass webinar about compliance with federal trucking rules in the ELD world in which we now live. It is set for February 20th of 2020, but even if it's after then, you can still catch it. Here's what to do. If it's before February 20th, go to the PrePass website at prepass.com. Look for the banner at the bottom of the homepage about the webinar. Click on it and you can register. Now, if it's after that date, you still go to the PrePass website, but click on the resource library under the resources tab and you'll see the webinar, which you can download. It's that simple either way. I hope you'll take advantage of this. While you're online, you can send us your podcast comments or topic suggestions to podcast at prepass.com. You can also hear previous installments of Eyes on the Road on the Prepass website, as well as through your favorite podcasting service. Plus, you can follow Prepass through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. This has been Eyes on the Road presented by Prepass Safety Alliance. I'm Evan Lockridge. Thank you for listening, and keep your eyes on the road.